0: creatively when you are in the same space every single day. And I mean, this is going to segue well into our our topic for the day, but when you're in the same space, the same inputs, the same walls, the same, you know, everything around you, like Mm. I think it just stifles what you're able to create and the way that you're Mm. able to look at the world and create new solutions and, 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 and.
1: Well, look, I mean, if you think about us like software, like a phone, You know, there's been no upgrades. Everything's been the same. We've been running the same software this whole time. And it's almost like we need a new sort of upgrade. I do a masterclass around capital and building capital. And there's many different ways to think about capital. And I'm not just talking about money because that's one version of capital. Mm. But we also have relationship capital, social capital, time capital, health capital. And what I mean by this is that we all have very specific relationships when it comes to our bodies to health, to relationships, to money, to time. And some people are very poor in time. You know, those people who never have time, they're always running short, they're always late. These are just people who've got a terrible relationship with time. Other people are never have an issue with time, just Mm. like you would have a relationship with, a problem with relationships itself or with money. These are just relationships. So you can fix your relationship with time by thinking about it differently and not always being anxious about it. That's the first thing. Can I, I say, about... can I quickly say something? Yeah, yes, here? of course. Of course.
0: Um, there was a, a, a meme that I saw a while ago, or like a tweet or something, that someone said, um, You know, you always look at billionaires and you think uh, like you want to have their lifestyle. So I, I think the example they used was like Warren Buffett. So, like, like, you could have Warren Buffett's wealth and also his age at the same time, or you can be a billionaire in time, like in seconds. Like,
1: which one do you choose? Mm. So time is morphing, evolving, changing. So we now know it's a very malleable thing. And we often used to think of it as this concrete A to B, that's the only way you can measure time. But the truth is, is the way we perceive time is how time actually reacts to us. And I said this on my birthday two years ago, I made a post about it at 44. And I said, you know, what I've realized and learned at 44 is that, you age according how to you, how you perceive time. So if you are having a wonderful time and time is disappearing and you're just in the state of flow, you don't age because your brain and body is not aging. They're in a state of flow. When you are hating what you're doing and you're in a difficult space and you're angry and frustrated and you haven't done the work that you need to do and you're always complaining, time goes slowly and you mm. age accordingly. I think we all have a very personal journey to go on. I think it's only just about exploring to your own comfort level, but the trick and the word there is exploring. Mm. And if you're not exploring, then you're not evolving. And I think what we do is we, we don't, it hurt, you know what? It's expensive for our brains to explore. It's tough Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, and it hurts our brains to explore. So we don't want to actually do it. You know, we, we flick past that. So that's, that's personal. Just explore and experiment. But then in a company, I always suggest create today and tomorrow teams. Like Mm. focus on what you have to do today and keep yourself focused and then create a tomorrow team that can actually, if you think about Italy, for example, you know, if you're spending 60% of your money or a hundred percent of your money, keeping the old stuff alive I would split that up and say look take 60% to keep the old stuff alive and then 40% create a tomorrow team to to figure out Mm. what tomorrow looks like you know who's the Da Vinci and Michelangelo of tomorrow inside Mm. Italy so that you have that sort of process happening as well so that you're not just focusing on the Colosseum etc and all those other stories So the first thing that started dawning on me as I started arriving in Italy and in Dubai, um, where really the holiday began and the sort of networking that my network lives in. I mean, I didn't know anybody in Vilnius. I mean, I know Khera, it's a friend of mine. But besides that, I don't really know anybody there. So I didn't know what was going on in the mix. But in Italy and in Dubai, I started to realize how globally everybody thinks. Mm. And I've forgotten that we don't think globally. We're so far away from the world in South Africa that we just get stuck in that way of thinking.
0: Your environment obviously creates the experience for you of what is possible, and without Mm -hmm. that experience, you know, we we had some like phenomenal year last year. We were able to speak for many international events. Um, Mm -hmm. We were just yesterday sort of mini celebrating the one year anniversary of speaking for Young Presence Organization in New York. Uh, That popped up on the timeline as a reminder. Yeah, and like I mean, that was phenomenal. But what I was saying to you is that whether you're speaking for YPO in New York or whether you're speaking for a local company in Joburg, it feels the same sitting in your room. It's the same. It's people on your screen. It's your webcam in front of you. It's your mic to the side. It, the experience is the same. Whereas if you flew out to New York to go and speak to them in person, like Mm. that experience catalyzes you thinking, well, Mm. this is possible. And if this is possible, Mm. more is possible. And so Yeah, I'm totally with you that I think one of the first things that we need to do if we are feeling stuck and we want to dream bigger is that you need to change your environment straight away. And perhaps for some people, it's not possible to go travel. But I think there's also different ways in which you can do that. Like if your life consists of the same Woolies and the same coffee shops and the same restaurants and the same gym that you go to, then a small change in your environment like going to a different coffee shop Maybe a bit further, maybe one that's a bit more inspirational, maybe one that's frequented more by like high flyers or whatever the case may be. Very often, a startup founder might get into their head this idea that the only way I'm going to build this business is I have to bootstrap it because that's the, that's the right way to build a business. Don't give away equity like uh, it's the on way that I get to scale a business. And actually, when you do that, you impose additional rules on top of the rules and you make it harder for yourself. So mm. we have to be very careful that we don't fall into that trap. When we buy into brands, we buy into it because of an identity that's created around it. Mm. And I think that's, you know, that's a big part of what's at play for luxury as well, is that yeah. you buy into the
1: identity of it. For me, one of the most exciting things about uh, living in Dubai is the fact that the country, the, the, the city is so focused on the future, And so focused on the flow of the future, rather than trying to protect the past. And Mm. Italy was exactly the opposite. Italy, look, Italy's got some amazing brands and amazing things that they're doing. But a very big part of Italian pride is Roman. It's the past that we're holding on to. It's like, we are the Romans. And yes, the Romans were powerful 2,000 years ago. You know Mm. what I mean? They're still good, but china is like moving to the future the other countries aren't you know America's not America's crumbling to many ways mm. so you know it's important also to put yourself into the flow of the future rather than the celebration of the glory of the past and one thing that i'll share from my side is that i think the best time to visualize your day is just before you wake up when you're in that half awake half asleep state that's when you're in the theta brain state. And that's really when you are creating and projecting the blueprint of your day and your life ahead. And that's a wonderful space to think about your day, think about what you're wanting to look like, think about the meetings you're having and what sort of outcomes you'd like. And I'd go even further and even go into segment intentioning, or intentional segmenting. In other words, every time you go into a meeting, be intentional about how you want that meeting to, to, to play out. Or so every mm. time you're going for dinner, like intend that I want this Mm. to be a productive dinner. I want to have incredible conversations. I want to connect. I want to impact. I want to walk away with a business deal. I want to walk away with a future business deal, whatever the case may be.
0: How do we ingrain new patterns of thinking and doing is that we have to actually do it. Like we have to go through the application process, but you're not going to have that many opportunities in your day to apply it. And so how can you do that? Well, you can apply it mentally. You can sit down, go through the process of visualization, meditation, and that is an application. That is you yeah. seeing that in your mind and experiencing it in your mind and it becomes a, a very real by doing that.
1: Mm. You know, when you have developed trust in the marketplace, you can sell avocados, man. You can sell lights. You can sell whatever you want to sell once you've developed that trust. And so. of my marketing, and I know for your marketing as well, is how do we add more value? I mean, look, vis-a-vis right here, this podcast, Mm. is how do we add more value? How do we create more trust with our audience? And in turn, how do we get those people then to work with us, hire us, expand with us, and build this community around us? And so really this idea of trust, this currency of trust, is I think many people don't realize that all you have to do, no matter what business you're in, is build that level of trust. And now, if you're a pool cleaner, a hairdresser, a consultant, whatever you are, how are you going about building trust and getting away from marketing your how and your what?
0: The consistency of showing up, because Mm. that's an important thing that people need to get right. Consistency, it feels mundane, but what it really is, is a promise to the people that you are serving, Mm. that you are going to be around.
1: You know, the meaning of quality is promising what you promise to give. Mm. So if you promise to give a shitty quality and you actually give a shitty quality, you are actually on the right mark of quality because you never (laughs) promised any more or any less, you know? So there's a difference between quality and excellence. Excellence is doing something you care about. Quality is giving what you promise to give. Mm. And I think this consistency builds the trust. So, you know, Toyota has a quality. So does Rolls Royce. They're both promising a type of quality and they're giving it consistently. So they both have developed that sort of mm. trust in the marketplace. I like that, that. That level of, yeah, I really like that. That's such a great point. Um, one of the things that I think also develop a lot of trust is not being triggered in conversations and not being triggered in discussions. And this is easy to say when you're not triggered, right? And then all of a sudden you are triggered and then uh, this little monster rocks up out of your head and you're like, hang on a second, what are you doing here? Who are you and why are you here?
0: But I do think that what this tells me is that when you are developing your teams, you need to make sure that you have those that drive transformation and those that drive transaction. And those yes. that drive transaction, it's it it ideally you want that blend that you are high high in transaction, but you do have some transformational components yes. meaning that you are yes. able to support and understand people. But at the same time, if you are very transformational nature, you need like you need a bit of transactional in you as well to hold people accountable to make sure things get done. Mm. But I also
1: don't think it's something that we want to fast track and force that says, I have to have clarity. Mm. I think it's okay not to have clarity. And it's okay to be in the wilderness until something new grips and something new gets you excited again.
0: Clarity is fleeting. You know, There are moments when you have it and you are extremely, extremely clear, and then it goes away again. And if you are going to get frustrated every time it goes away, you're going to have a very miserable life. And Mm -hmm. on top of that, you are going to try and force clarity. And I can tell you from experience that forcing it doesn't work. Um, Mm. That's exactly why I ended up creating my word for the year, relaxed concentration, because I realized Mm. the more I try to force things like clarity, like Mm. creativity, Mm. the less forthcoming it was. So Mm. it is really important that you have a very patient and empathetic and, and slow approach to clarity. Having said that, Clarity is definitely something that you work towards. It's not something that you think your way into. And as much as I'm someone who loves spending time on my whiteboard and uh, I can really indulge in my own thinking, I've realized that, that that seldom helps me with real clarity. Clarity is really something that you have to act your way into. There's no getting around that.
1: And what automation really is, is the heart of it is the ability for data points to be picked up by machine learning and AI. What machine learning and AI does very, very well is look for patterns. And once it understands these patterns, it can Mm -hmm. repeat these patterns like an absolute superstar. Now, the AI that we're at right now, the level of intelligence that we have right now is very, very basic. In other words, if a very intelligent toaster Knows exactly how to toast bread. That's all it knows how to do. And if a very intelligent car can drive, it can only drive. It can't cross. And so we're not at the point where one machine can do many things. It's just one machine can do one thing. And as we transition into this new quantum digital world, the thinking will be taken away from us. Just like the machinery took away the need for power and brawn. The intelligence is what we educated on. Now, AI and blockchain and all these things, data, are taking away the intelligence away from us. So we don't have to be competing in intelligence because we can't win, just like factories are much better as humans at building things.
0: It it catches something very important, um, which is what I also saw when I went through the, the process of buying NFT, which is that what you get as a reward is the fact that you... You might get rich right you 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 are diversifying your portfolio you are learning this new skill but the meta reward here is that you get better at dealing with difficult things and that Mm. when you can deal with difficult things you can apply that again into the future as much as you need to because you know you can do it and i think that's often the greatest reward that we get it's like yes like actually i can do this like because i've done it before
1: Yeah, it's enjoying the challenge. It's welcoming Mm. the challenge. It's seeking discomfort. Yeah. And uh, that's actually the last slide of my talk tomorrow and the one you saw at at the trist as well. It's seek discomfort Mm. and become comfortable in the discomfort. And this is the time not to seek comfort, not to seek convenience, not to seek absolute outcomes, but truly to seek discomfort. And I couldn't agree with you more in my first book, What's Your Moonshot? I called it Peeing in Your Nappy. Yes, and and thinking like a victim is like peeing in your nappy. The first thirty seconds is fantastic; everything's nice and warm and squishy, and it's the best <laughs> idea you ever had. And then after thirty seconds, the worst idea I ever had because that nappy now you have to throw it away. It smells, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So thinking like a victim gives you that warm, fuzzy familiarity and feeling. And then eventually, you realize that you're just back at square one. In fact, even gone backwards. You need a combo, and the combo is to consciously sit inactively and to be okay with it, not to feel sorry for yourself in that process. And I write about this in my new book where I talk about courageously mourning. It's actually mourning with the intention of healing and growth, not just sitting there sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, Mm. but actually sitting there and sobbing and almost being grateful for the sob, you know? Almost sitting, and I know it's hard to do, but almost to to level being grateful for the, the pain that you're going through because you know that you're going somewhere. And then at the next phase of it, expose yourself to new things. Think about new things that you could be trying, experimenting, engaging with, bringing some new information in so that you can both consciously get rid of or heal or integrate that anxiousness and lack of clarity, as well as bringing new information and and acting on it. I said, I don't think it is the fourth industrial revolution. I think what we're moving into is the first dematerialization revolution is where we're going is not industrial, where we're going is not linear, where we're going is digital and dematerialized. Which changes all the rules about everything, whether mm. it's got to do financially, efficiency. I mean, just think about it. dematerialization of so much things around us from music to education, to photos, to money, to just dematerialize it dematerializes up into thin air. Now, the world of complexity and the world we're moving into is a world with patterns that don't repeat themselves. And because they don't repeat themselves, we don't have certainty of what's coming. We can't use mathematics, Excel spreadsheets, and these likes and and, and mathematics, Excel, and accountants to figure out what the future is because it's not a straight line. It's complex. Mm. And so what does this do? It says to us that the people that will win in the future will be the people who will be able to unlearn, to relearn the quickest. Now, this is called moving from economies of scale to economies of learning. Mm. And so the superpower becomes adaptability in the process of unlearning to relearning.
0: In Alice in Wonderland, there's a scene where the Red Queen takes Alice by the hand and they start sprinting through Wonderland. And at some point they come to a stop and Alice looks around and she says, well, everything here looks exactly the same as before. Like, I swear we've been under this exact tree the entire time. And then the Red Queen says, well, of course, like how how else would you have it? And Alice says, well, typically in my country, if you run very far for a very long time, you would get somewhere else. And then the queen says, well, that's a slow sort of country because here you see it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. And the idea wow. is that the world ah, is changing okay. so fast that you have to do yeah. all the running you can do, all the effort mm. you can muster to just keep up with the pace of change. Wow. And the thing is that the environment's huh. going to change and you have to change. Um, A competitor is going to make a move, and you make a move, and we see this everywhere, Mm. right? And none of us get to escape this game. That's kind of the point of my keynote. You don't get an out from this. You have to play the Red Queen's game. And the only way that you get to play that, like you said, is that you have to become a highly adaptable individual.